to learn a new song is we got a lot of songs in the hymnal that we've never sung probably in our life good songs nice lyrics uh, 322 Yeah. 
All right, well, that's a new song. I never heard that before. And you're going to say you just heard it. Okay, well. All right, well, we're happy to see you in church this morning. And um, let's see here. Uh, is that Jared I see? Okay, is your wife with you? She's not. She's not, okay. Uh, your daughter's not with you too then? Yeah, at least I'm feeling good. Okay, right. All right, so you're here by yourself. That's right. Came on your motorcycle. No, I thought about it. Not, not today. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, we were talking about something to do. Shall we wait then? Or shall we just do? Let's just do. Just do. Okay, come here, Jared. <laughs> Jared represents the ITEL family. This is Jared ITEL. We know him for a long time. Got saved. You got saved here, right? No, I was saved a long time before. A long time before, uh, in, in right. Texas, yeah. Right, Texas. right. But he baptized you. Yes. In the Pacific Lord. Ocean. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so Jared uh, and his family are going to come today to join our church. They just come in from the mainland. And she is the Marines, and he is a dependent, former Marine. And so because of the sickness or the need for the home to take care of that, but um, they had planned to be today their church uh, membership day. So you are representing Danielle. All right, and your little daughter. What is your name again? Elise. Elise. Yes. She's a cute one. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's so cute. Yes. And so uh, they've come today. He has come today to be uh, officially join our church. And so we said, okay. Now they both know the Lord. Of course, Elise is too young to know the Lord. She doesn't even know anything. So, but hopefully, as she grows and hears the gospel through the home and through church and comes to her, she will come to Christ. And so she would have to go where their parents go, of course. And so they have come today. Uh, to be a part of our church officially. So uh, all you folks who are members, if you're happy about that, just say amen. 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 And if you object, we don't really want to hear that. <laughs> because uh, church membership is for people who are saved and know the Lord. And um, we don't expect people who are part of the church to agree with everything. But we hope people will grow in the Word of God and learn with us so that uh, we all uh, agree at least on the major things. And there's all small things we may not agree with. I don't know what it would be, Jared, except um, I don't know, but um, uh, I know Jared, and uh, many of you do too, and so uh, today is their day of becoming an official member, and so uh, Jared's a pretty good guy. I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, he knows the kum 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 kum. I teach the voice jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, right. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. He's got a pink belt. That's right. <laughs> the right pink belt? Whatever belt you want. I'll just wear the belt and just keep teaching yeah. whatever. So you can, you can tell that Jared's a very flexible guy, and he roasted the punches. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, we're, we're happy that they'll be a part of our church uh, weather station over here. So uh, let's all stand, and we'll come by and just uh, congratulate them, and God bless you kind of thing. And then you pass on the word to your wife, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, we're much. happy for being here. Come by. You play something good, happy. And uh, come here. We have something else to tell you after this, all right? Come, 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 come. Quickly, quickly, quickly. <laughs>
appreciate it, Jared. We appreciate you and your family, and um, that's a blessing. Uh, we have some visitors from Tennessee. Hey. From Tennessee. Let me see here. First of all, Joseph and Yvonne, Irish, and Isaiah, right here from Tennessee. We have enjoyed meeting you this morning. It's like we've known you for a long time. Yeah, it's so good to see people who want to be in church. Amen. <laughs> and you're on vacation, so that's always a blessing to have people come to church from Crossville, Tennessee. Don't know where that is, but I know where the state is. <laughs> I know where Chattanooga is. And uh, we also have Brother Delvin Monk. Brother Monk walked in just a bit during Sunday school. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. And I found out in talking with them after Sunday school that he is the pastor of a church. Um, First Indian Baptist Church. And so as we talked, I said, it might be good for you to hear about that ministry there. And so we don't know much about, what is it, Choctaw? Yeah, Choctaw. We don't know much about that. Not exposed to them here. And so would you come and give us a short testimony about your ministry? Good morning. Choctaw is Halito Chimachukma. That means uh, good morning and means hello. Uh, yeah, we're a Native American uh, tribe in Mississippi, but uh, we extend into uh, uh, Tennessee, uh, northern t uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, uh, we uh, recently moved to a little town called Ripley, Tennessee. And that's where the, uh, the tribe has extended some of its members to move up there during the sharecropping days and then they remained there ever since. There's about 250 uh, uh, tribal members that live there and uh, worship together in that area. And uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia, Mississippi, but we've been moving around all over the country because of my wife being in the military. And uh, we recently was in uh, San Diego for 10 years and then moved to uh, Maryland for a year. And then the Lord led us to uh, Ripley, Tennessee, not knowing uh, the reality of what what lies before us when we got there. Uh, so uh, when we got there, uh, there's this church uh, called First Indian Baptist Church, and uh, uh, came to find out that this church existed. So me and my wife decided to go over there and visit uh, back in uh, July of last year. And uh, so as we was visiting, we found out the church didn't have a pastor, and the pastor uh, they hadn't had a pastor in 15 years. And, uh, and uh, it was reminding me of the church of Sardis in the book of Revelation, the dead church. And uh, because if you don't have a pastor in a church, then you're, you're going to be on the road to uh, being a dead church or you're already dead. So, um, so um, we decided that we're going to go ahead and join there. And uh, uh, I didn't expect to be a pastor right off the bat. Uh, I wanted to preach uh, some, but I wanted the church, you know, uh, get the church to know us and we get to know the church and everything. But uh, but uh, some things happened in the church that uh, uh, that needed a male leadership and there's uh, only women in the church. And uh, and uh, without without uh, the men leading, uh, there was a, a lot of confusion in the church. And uh, so uh, uh, they shoot me to the forefront and says, you're here now, you need to, you need to uh, straighten this out. 
And I said, I want to straighten this out, but uh, you know, you know, I'm going to teach what the Bible teaches, and uh, and um, uh, it's always up to us if we're going to follow the Lord. Yes. And um, and in that case, we uh, so we fell into that, but uh, now I know the reason why I was led to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, because of this, because there was other places that I wanted to go. But uh, the God had other plans for me and my family, so that's where we're at today. And uh, we're uh, uh, on our background. We're Choctaws, and uh, there's 11,000 members in the in the Mississippi region. And uh, in Oklahoma, there's uh, over 60,000 uh, tribal members. But uh, the Mississippi Band and the Oklahoma Choctaws are two separate uh, tribes. So um, so uh, I belong to the one in Mississippi. And uh, so um, we, uh, most of our church members, I mean, uh, uh, talk to our church goers are Baptist. We have uh, 13 churches that are part of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. And um, up there in Tennessee, uh, where I'm preaching at is uh, Southern Baptist also, but it's not part of the, uh, the Choctaw Association. Uh, but uh, we're, uh, we're definitely uh, working and uh you know uh my i work for the military also that kind of had a conflict with me about being there while uh well me being here for 90 days uh for working for the government and uh so um so uh i had to have uh somebody to cover my sundays every day so i have three brothers that's uh ministers so i have each one of them to preach every sunday and then I have a few more friends as pastors, and they decided they wanted to help the, the cause. So I have everybody coming on Sundays, and for for the first time in 15 years, they have in church uh, preachers every Sunday. And uh, and uh, that's a blessing. That was the first thought on my mind when uh, when I came there that we need to have a pastor. And uh, and I told the church it don't have to be me, but we do need to have a pastor. And uh, and uh, I just want you to, you know, uh, keep us in mind in your prayers. You know, it, it's, it's cool to know that I can come to uh, something 4,000 miles away and meet uh, Christians that uh, that's, has the same purpose, same mindset as we do. And then I really appreciate that. Thank you. That was very interesting. That was a blessing. Uh, church needs a male pastor. Isn't that something? It's just New Testament. It's just New Testament. Nothing, nothing critical about women, but uh, they have a very important role to play. But uh, got to have a man there. All right, let's dismiss the Chinese ministry to their service. We will continue our service. And as we do that, uh, don't forget that this month has gone by already so fast. And next month is February in a few days. And so you want to be sure to have some of those uh, Valentine's practice in the back it's called somebody loves you and I don't know what you think about this or not but it's important for people to know that there's a God who cares for them and that we should express that in our lives and in how we communicate with people uh, let me let me read this to you here um, this is from that book that I was referring to this morning hating people is like burning down your own house to kill a rat now hating is very common it's very macho in many ways but the Christian is not supposed to reflect that. Amen. We're supposed to reflect another aspect of the Lord. Now, there is a place for, uh, quote, hellfire and brimstone and all that. There's a place for that. 
But uh, generally speaking, when you meet people, you don't want to be coming across that way because that's not what people need initially. And so just let me explain to you by experiencing, by understanding what the Bible says about human nature, uh, you do attract people, quote, attract people, or you don't turn them off so quickly if you're just a gentleman, if you're just a, a lady, if you're not a big mouth, if you are just a decent, respectable, quote, nice person. Everyone can be that way. You don't have to be mean to get their attention. I saw a picture, a video of some people protesting oil. And so they went down to where the Mona Lisa is hung, the famous painting by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. They, they messed it up. It was covered, but they threw all this garbage on it. They stood there and they exposed themselves for what they're protesting against. And all the, all the people just, oh, no, no. And they were doing that because they so are against producing oil, they have to protest by def uh, defacing something like that and other, other ways of doing things. You don't have to be that way to get people's attention. All right. What gets my attention as a regular guy is that if you're kind and you're honest, I like you. I like if you're honest and you're kind. If you're respectful and you're honest and you're kind, I like you. If you're honest and kind, I like you. If you're a crook, I remember that too. <laughs> if you're dishonest, I remember that. And I'll pass your name around to everybody I know because I don't want people cheated by you. And so when it comes to being a Christian and telling people about the Lord, we have to be careful not to uh, turn people off by just being rude and mean to people, all right? There's nothing wrong being nice, okay? Nothing wrong being nice. There's nothing wrong about smiling either. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was I gonna do next? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna step aside. You got another song for us? Very good. I thought so. Thank you, Francis. All right. Turn two fifty six. Two hundred fifty six.
almost on. Let's see, uh, 469. 469. I found a friend, 469. I still haven't found it. <laughs> Here we go. I found a friend. This is election year, and I hope you are wise and you are alert to what's going on, and I hope you will vote right this year when it's time for that. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I like that it is wealth my soul. I hope it is with your soul as well. Matthew chapter 14. We've been in Matthew somewhat in the Sunday school lessons, and it so happens that today, Matthew 14. It's a favorite passage of scripture. 
It's a favorite uh, incident that takes place here on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Jesus walks in the water in this chapter. Matthew 14, verse number 22. Matthew 14, verse number 22. I believe in miracles, not like Catherine Coleman says, but I believe that God has done some wonderful things and great things throughout the Bible. And he has recorded some of these things for, for us to see and to be encouraged by them. John says, if everything that Jesus did and said was recorded, you would take all the volumes of the uh, Library of Congress and more to fill it up. There's a bunch of books in the Library of Congress and um, a lot of periodicals, a lot of things there besides written things. And if everything that Jesus did was recorded, you would take up all that space and all those shelves and even more. But it wasn't recorded. What we have gives us a good picture of what Jesus Christ is all about. Matthew 14, verse number 22 says this. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now the first thing you notice about verse number 23 is that the Lord always spent time with his father. He always made time to be with his father. As busy as he was throughout his daily routine, ministering to people, he always made time to be alone with God. Charles Spurgeon says the greatest kind of praying that is done are those who are, that are prayed in private. The closet type of prayers. Matthew 5 talks about and Matthew 5, 6 and 7 talks about when you pray, enter into thy closet and thy father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Yeah. And so the whole idea is to not bring attention to yourself. The whole idea is to commune between you and God. And the most effective kind of praying, he says, is the prayers that you do in privacy. Because that's when you become real and very honest with God. Public praying is a necessary thing to do. It has to be done. And uh, yet you don't pray about personal things when you pray public prayers. It's not necessary. Sometimes people pray before the meal at a restaurant. They pray about all the missionaries in the world. They pray for every single thing that goes on. And it just goes on and on and on. Now that's not a criticism of praying for things. But there's a time and a place about when you pray for certain things. And so just pray for food. Now I've always... I've all done things very simply and very quickly. Whenever, if I'm called to pray for food or I pray for food, it's like, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless their bodies. Thank you for providing for it. Help us to enjoy it. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. Some people pray for missionaries that the church support to pray for different things that goes on in current events. That's fine. But, uh, you know, have some, have some sense about when you pray and pray appropriately. And so in Matthew 14, in Matthew 14, there is the multitude that he sends away and he goes apart to pray while he's doing that. He always makes time to be alone with God. By the way, I hope this year you are taking seriously the theme for the year about drawing closer to God. And so closer to Christ is the theme for the year. And I hope you haven't forgotten it already. It takes about 10 days before you forget your vows. 10 days. So it's been January 1, today it's 27, 28. So some of you have already forgotten. You fulfilled that already. So let's make it an effort to remember the theme is draw closer to Christ in 2024. It'll take an effort. It'll take some diligence and some self-control and some discipline. But every day, make time to be alone with God. Every day, make time. Whenever it would be, make time. Make time, make time, make time. Raise your right hand. I will. Okay, let's do this again. This is swearing your citizenship. I will. Each day, make time. For God. for God. Thank you very much. I hope you do that. Verse number 23 says, He went into the mountain to part to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. 
We just saw in Matthew chapter 8 uh, another incident in which the ship was tossed about because of the same factors. And verse 25 says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Well, this is a miracle. He's walking on the water. There's a commercial somewhere about some guy hopping over water. It's fake. It's not real. It's generated by computers. It's not real. You cannot walk on water. But here, nothing like that was in place. He actually was walking on water because he's God. He can walk on water. He can turn it to ice if he wants to. Um, he's walking on the water early in that morning. And so there he is walking toward them from the time he left praying with his father. He's now catching up with them uh, on the sea. They're in a boat. It's rough. But he's walking to them on the rough water. This is quite miraculous, quite amazing, quite Steven Spielberg-ish. But it's not fake, it's real. Amen. Verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit, and they cried out for fear. It is said that the direction of Christ was coming toward them, and that vicinity on the land was a place known to have a lot of spooky things going on. Okay, whether that be so or not, when they saw him walking on the water with the mist and the rain and everything involved, it's, it's not real clear. The other day, I woke up, and I put on my glasses, and this part was out. And I, Miranda was still asleep. It was like 4 in the morning, and I tried to find it, look around. I couldn't find it. I thought, I know I went to bed with it. And I, when I put my glasses on the nightstand, it was intact. But when I woke up, it was weird. And so I looked all the place. I couldn't find it. And she finally woke up, and I told her what happened. She found it. It was under the nightstand way back and it fallen and rolled back she said well it's clear so you can't find it well i can hardly find anything anyway go to the refrigerator where's the milk honey it's right there right in front of you i said really where's the leftover i can't find things she goes there she goes this right here dummy and so i have a hard time finding things because i just don't want to find it i guess but uh it was not really clear to, to and then i drove that day i, I drove to walk uh costco to get uh, my prescription filled because I was forced to. I just got my eye examined a month or two before, so I had the prescription with me. Took it down there. I drove myself down there without my glasses. Now, you say, well, that was not safe. Well, what am I going to do? Stay home and do nothing? So I drove down to Costco with my peel and got my prescription filled, and I drove home without my glasses. It's going to take me 10 more days, uh, six more days to get my glasses. I got a reading pair, and I got uh, my regular everyday use kind of glasses, and so I'm driving like that without seeing very well, but I can see pretty good. You think I can't see because of my glasses? I see exactly what you're thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, um, uh, they couldn't see very well, but when they saw this figure walking in the water, they thought, what in the world is that? That, 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 that is not a, that can't be. No, that, no, no, no. We've never seen like that before. That cannot be. It looks like a man. It can't be a man. No way there's that a man walking on the water. But it was him walking on the water. Very unusual sight. You ever get shocked by something unusual? Like an honest Democrat? <laughs> That's very unusual. Now, you know what? I don't mean to be offensive, but uh, there are not too many honest Republicans, too. So let's be fair about that. But uh, some unusual thing like a man walking on the water. If I... If you saw a fish, if you saw a sailfish walking on the land, would you say that's unusual? <laughs> They're stunned by what they see in the early morning. And so they kept the rubbing their eyes, wiping their glasses off, and then somebody calls for binoculars. And so they hand this guy, handed this edge of here binoculars, he's trying to focus on this. 
And he says, oh, let's see here. <coughs> Let me see. Well, that, no, that looks, that looks like a man, all right. Yes, yes, yeah. I see a beard that looks like a man. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, I see that. Yeah, he's walking. Yeah. Good night. Look, Peter, look at this. And Peter says, oh, that can't be. That can't, no. That can't be. Andrew, Andrew, here, try that. Andrew says, what do you want me to see? That, look, that looks like a man, all right. He's walking in the water. Uh, no, that, I, I can't accept that. That is, no, yes. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Good night, I recognize him. Who is it? Who is it? Let me see. And he pulls the binoculars from me and says, Guys, it's. Now, I don't mean to say guys because I hate when people refer to us guys when they're guys, but uh, maybe men. Men! <laughs> that is the Lord. You're kidding me. And as he comes closer, see, initially they were afraid that it was a ghost, reasonably so. But as he got closer, Peter says, It's the Lord. The Lord. And look at verse number. 27 straightway oh by the way when they said in verse 26 it is a spirit and they cried out for fear these are rational men fishermen by trade adult men with a lot of common sense but they were afraid of something that they weren't real clear about isn't that just like people today isn't that just like Christians who are terrified by something unusual or something they don't understand these disciples teach us a lot of lessons about ourselves 27, and by straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. So can you imagine, can you imagine as he walks close to them, and he knows their thoughts, he knows everything about them. He says, he says, he says, all right, listen. It's okay. It's all right. It's me. It's me. It's okay. It's all right. It's, it's me. Look, look, it's me. Can you imagine the scene? What a movie this would make. If someone could portray it accurately, what a scene it would be. Uh, he spake unto them. So this spirit spake. No, this man, the man Christ Jesus spake unto them, the son of man. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Isn't it interesting how when he approaches them, he's, he knows their fear. He says, all right, let's, let's, let's calm down. Let's take a breath. It is me. And because it's me, be of good cheer. Remove the fearful thinking. And think about what I just told you. It is me. So be of good cheer. There's a reason to be of good cheer because it is me that is walking the water. It's me talking to you. It's not a ghost. It's me. I am the very same one that was with you a few hours ago doing miraculous things, feeding off the 5,000. I'm that same one. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Isn't it, isn't it how it always is? When you have something unknown going on and you're not sure about the outcome, you're not sure about a circumstance, it tends to make us very fearful but when you are given assurance that it's Jesus somehow you're kind of oh, okay oh, that's all right. it's okay it's okay isn't that what happens when the Lord gets close to you isn't that what happens when you get close to him so as he got closer to the boat as they got closer to him as they began to see that it is him as they began to hear his voice ah oh, I recognize that voice isn't it true, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them? So as they recognized his voice, as they saw him, they began to get a little bit calm because of his calming, assuring words. I just want to tell you that this life that we live in, in our time, um, sometimes it's like that. It's like a rough sea. It's like a big... We've had strong winds recently around the state, and uh, my wife thought one time, oh, the roof's going to blow off the house. It was that strong coming coming down from the south. 
it was really strong. It must have been rough for you in the island too. And, uh, and uh, when those things happen, you get kind of nervous about things. But then the Lord shows up and he says, be of good cheer. Amen. Now, a lot of things can bring you cheer and they're not bad. A friendly word can give you cheer. A comforting word from a friend gives you cheer. A text message, an email, someone calling you can give you a lot of encouragement. And by the way, you people who are Christians, you ought to be conscientious about having some sort of a ministry just as a friend to another Christian friend of just being able to say something to them that is going to cheer them up. Uh, this is why we should be very thoughtful about fellow Christians and how we can be of good cheer to them. Do you know that something that you say, something that you do, small things primarily, may mean not a whole lot to you, but it means a lot to that person that hears you say something to them? Be of good cheer. When you come to church, you know what I always habitually say to somebody? I may not mean it, but I say, good to see you. <laughs> well, actually I do mean it, because I'm glad to see somebody in church. Amen. I'm always glad to see Joan in church. Joan, I don't want to make... Uh, make you embarrassed or anything, but Jonah's always so cheerful. Cheerful is the word cheerful. She's also cheerful. Now she may be carrying a burden, I don't know, but she's also cheerful. She comes across as being cheerful. Let me make an example about that. She's so cheerful and she tends to make people feel cheerful. And some of you crabs come to church. Some of you crabs come to church. And you come to church with this scowl on your face like everything is wrong. And so when, 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 when people see your, your crabby face and your crabby demeanor and everything, and uh, I don't know, that doesn't lend to cheerfulness. Really, it doesn't. Now, I'm not presuming to know everything that goes on in people's lives throughout the week, but I'm just saying we should be conscientious about the fact that we do have a bearing on someone else's cheerfulness. Let's just be Christians and be cheerful people. All right? Play the man. That is to say... Though you are carrying a burden, you still play the man. You not pretend, not fake. No, no, no. You can't ignore reality of things, but you still are thoughtful about your influence on other people. Now, we who have no influence at all, which is all of us, we don't have Fox News coming to our doorstep everything, some, every time something happens. They don't care what we think. But we do have a limit on other people. We are a piece of iron that sharpens another piece of iron. And you and I do have limits on somebody. Be alert to that and think about that in a sober, reasonable, balanced way. And do never think about yourself as I have no influence on people because you do. You really do. And uh, you never know how many times I come to church feeling kind of blue for whatever reasons. And then somebody cheers me up because of their countenance or because of the way they talk or because they're just, you know, cheerful. That encourages me. I need to have people who are cheerful around me every once in a while. You can be a crap 80%, but if you're 20% cheerful, I can take that. I'll take what I can. I'll take what I can. Just be alert to that. All right? Okay, so he says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And I want to say, to emphasize this, of all people that will cheer you up, it's the presence of God that will cheer you up. I remember seeing our friend Pat Matthews, who eventually went to be at the Lord. I think, I didn't realize it, but the last time I saw him, he had all kind of tubes in his in his body, in his mouth, he couldn't talk, but he could blink, and he could nod his head. And the last time I saw him over at uh, uh, Queens, or I think it was Queens, or uh, Straub on a King Street, the last time I saw him, several years back, his wife was there too, and we had gone. I'd gone to see him, and I could 
barely communicate to him. Uh, it was a one-way communication kind of thing. The best he could do was just, you know, like that. We talked about Ota, we talked about things, Sapa, we talked about different things that he enjoyed, talked about a lot of different things, and uh, had prayer with him, and I left. And um, But the last thing I remember seeing was his looking at me like this, just looking at me like that. And so I, I did go there with the intent of trying to cheer him up. I didn't come talking about politics, although he loved to talk about politics. I didn't come really talking about things that would discourage him. I came to talk about things that would encourage him. And uh, I didn't know how much time he had left. And, uh, but uh, uh, I did not come with the intention of unloading on him a lot of things about politics or current events or things that were not essential. What was essential was that he got some cheer for a few minutes. And so be of good cheer, the Lord could cheer. And he was a saved man. And so his wife always said that uh, he knew the Lord, and he did. And his wife always said, well, he's always looking forward to seeing Jesus. Amen. And so that was what cheered him up, knowing that Christ was going to be with him, was with him, and he one day be in the presence of Christ eventually. That cheered him up. Amen. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. It is I, be not afraid. Now, the church ought to cheer people up, but it can't ultimately cheer everybody up. You can cheer people up, but you ultimately cannot cheer everybody up like you. they should be cheered up. Uh, a circumstance can cheer up if it changes for the better. That'll cheer you up. Winning the lottery can cheer you up. <laughs> Having something new can cheer you up. Don't you like new things? I like new things. Some people like new technology every year. You know, I-25, I-20, I don't know, I don't know. I'm Android guy, but uh, it's only because I just have been used to, to that. So no criticism of iPhone, I think it's a good thing. I know a lot of people have their joy very much, but uh, new things cheer you up. New things cheer I bought me a new shirt from Costco. That cheered me up. You know why? Cost five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that cheered me up. I brought her home, showed it to my wife. I said, how's it look? She said, it looks good. I said, I think I'll keep it. And I had just told her the week before, I looked in my closet, all these collared shirts that I have, pullover shirts, I got too many of them. She says, I said, I said to her, if I ever tell I'm gonna get a shirt, tell me no, don't get it. And then the next few days, I got me one. And then, and then I went back to find a different color. They don't have them. I'm gonna go to another cost for shipping out on sale. Went to another cost by people. They don't have that shirt. For that price is now $9.99. It was five bucks. I don't understand that. But that cheered me up. <laughs> uh, things can cheer us up. Circumstances can change or cheer us up. A lot of blessings, life can cheer us up. Sometimes just a beautiful sunset will cheer you up. Oh yeah. Sometimes a quiet field will cheer you up. I love to go to my mother-in-law's place. By the way, I like to tell you this, I like my mother-in-law. Uh, I like my mother-in-law very much. She's very nice, she's cheerful. She's got some physical problems, but she's cheerful. Um, I'm sure Nathan likes his mother-in-law. And every time she comes, she's also cheerful. The grandkids love uh, Grammy. Uh, you know, all these kind of small things make a difference, but sometimes natural things just cheer you up. Sometimes a finished painting cheers me up. Sometimes a nice photo cheers me up. A lot of things cheer me up. Sometimes a dog cheers me up. You know, dogs are very therapeutic. Cats are not therapeutic. <laughs> no, really, cats are not therapeutic. Cats are aggravating. Cats are, cats are. Dogs, service dogs are so therapeutic. 
go to the hospital, you see the service dog with his laps. Oh, they're so, they're so, the word is not crude. They're so, they're so good. They go to a room, they sit there, they're very well behaved, and uh, they just cheer up the patient. You can almost see the anxiety, the stress, the fearfulness of a patient relieve them because of the dog being there. The dog puts his head on your lap. That is so encouraging. It cheers you up. A lot of things cheer you up, but nobody and nothing can cheer up like the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. can. That's right. It is good for you to draw nigh to God because he will be the one that will ultimately cheer you up. Now, verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, now the Lord says something. It is I, be of good cheer. And the Lord, the only disciple of the 12 that said something back was Peter. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now, to Peter's credit, as much as Peter is criticized for his being impetuous, impulsive, and got a big mouth and speaking up all the time, and oops, 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 oh, I'm going to say that. For all those things that Peter can say, you got to give him credit for having a little bit of faith. Be of a good cheer, it is I. Peter says, say that again. And the Lord says, it is I. I told you one time, believe me, I have to say it very, very once again. And he says, it is I, it is I. And he says, Lord, if that's really you, now Peter to carry in his character says, if it's you, let me walk on the water like you're walking on the water. And the disciple says, what are you talking about? You can't walk on the water. And, but Peter's, Peter's, he's stubborn. Peter's got his mind made up. And when he's got his mind made up, man, he'll, he'll bring a reformation to Europe. He's like a crouch. He steps out of that boat, he jumps off the railing, lands on the water, and when he hits the ground, it's like he's standing on solid concrete. It's like he's on a sidewalk. He's walking to the Lord. <laughs> he says hi to the camera. And the, the type was like this. It's never happened before like this. And then they catch their breath and they watch him walk a few feet toward the Lord. And the Lord's standing over here like this. Come. Come, come. And he's walking to Jesus. Now, that's a miracle. Yes. You cannot explain this scientifically. The United Science guy cannot explain it. He'd probably say, no, that's just bogus. That's just fake. That's just folk. That's, mis that's just make-believe. That's just for Sunday school kids. That's not believable. Whatever he may say about a bona fide miracle, because he can't explain it. You know, people are funny. They can't explain it. They don't believe it. Yeah. You know what the Bible says? It happened. That's what the Bible says. Right. You're okay to believe it. And so he walks toward Jesus on the water. It's a miracle that takes place. I don't, I don't know how I can explain that. Uh, the Lord one day walked through a door in the upper room after his resurrection. How do you explain that? Well, he had a glorified body. How do you explain Peter walking? I don't know, but he's in control of all the elements and the, the, the small no, new, neutron, new, proton, neutron, electrons. He's control all those kind of things. I mean, he can do something he wants to. And so... We who are claiming to be Bible believers believe what the Bible says. Amen. We also see the symbolism and the metaphor. We see all of that too, but we see that the Bible should be taken literally at first reading unless otherwise it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that, but it makes sense to me because God says, come. And when the Lord says, come, it's okay to go to him when he says, come. And by the way, you know what the Lord says when he also says, come? He says, come unto me. Matthew 11, all you that labor and are heavenly, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 28. That means to say that if you come to Christ in your 
in your trouble, in your problems, in your distress, everything about that's going wrong. If you come to him in your sin, you come to him, he will give you rest to your soul. You come to him like that, he'll take you in. He doesn't say come only to say, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Vote for me and I'll do what you want. Now, just kidding. Now that I'm in office, I have changed my mind. I know what I want to do all the time. Sorry. <laughs> I fool you. I fool you. <laughs> I fool you. Oh, people. People are like that. So bad. So bad. I fool you. Jesus never said anything like that. He says, come. And Peter took him at his word, to his credit, believed in what he said, Amen. took him at his word, walked toward him, verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down and out of the ship, he walked. You see how specific the words, the words are here? He came down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Very specific. No reading between the lines here. He did it exactly what the Bible says. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Well, that word comes up again, fear. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Uh, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Now, why did he begin to sink? Obviously because he took his eyes off the Lord. As he's walking, as he's walking toward Jesus, can you just imagine as he's walking toward the Lord, he's walking toward him. He may have thought to himself, oh, this is all right. Wow. I'm the only one doing this. This is this is special. This might be written down in history. I might be immortalized by walking on the water. He may have turned back to the disciple friends and said, Hey, John, I told you it was Jesus. I told you you should have been, you could have been you could have been here. It could have been you walking on the water, John. Now I don't know if you did or not. That's just my um, fallen human imagination. But he walked toward Jesus, he was feeling pretty good. But then, of course, it was a storm. And when he heard the wind boisterous and he saw the waves, well, what happens to you when you take your eyes off the Lord? Yeah. That exact thing. That's right. Yeah. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. Yeah. Well, when he had his eyes on Jesus, he wasn't sinking, he was walking. But when he took his eyes off and he got his eyes around the, on the circumstances around him, and he lost focus of where he was going, that's when he began to sing. Can I tell you that the application is very plain? Can you not see what this is about, how it applies to us today? Amen. You walk by faith in obeying the Lord. And all of them were obeying the Lord. They got into the boat, like he said. They were crossing, like he said. They were in God's will, and they still had a storm. Peter walked toward Christ because he just had faith to believe what he said, and he was doing fine until he took his eyes off of him and got distracted by the circumstances around him. And when that happened, he began to sink. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian today, you're okay by walking by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Hmm, my soul. We walk by faith, not by sight. When you walk by sight, you lose faith. The circumstances are insurmountable. The mountain's too big, the waves are too high, the wind's too strong. No can do. No can do. Cannot do it. But when you're walking by faith and your eyes are on Him, you're going through the storm. You're walking on the water. You're above the water. You're not under the water. But when He takes His eyes off Christ, He begins to sing. He begins to go under the water. So it is with us. 
I would just simply say, whatever the circumstances are, just keep your eyes on Christ. Just keep your eyes on Him. Just walk by faith. Just keep walking and obeying Him. Just obey what He says. How difficult it may be, just obey what He says. Don't throw your common sense away, but obey what the Bible says. Obey what He says. Just keep walking toward Him. Just keep walking toward Him. But He didn't do that. He took His eyes off the Lord and He began to sink. This is what happens to all of us. Uh, you and I know people who are so focused on the surroundings, the circumstances, that they have no peace. They have no cheerfulness. Everything is one big grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Everything is criticism out of their mouth. Everything is black. Everything is dark to them. There's nothing bright about anything in life in general. And in their life, everything is horrible. Oh, which, this job is horrible. This thing is horrible. Why not? Oh, and it could be like that very real in a very real way because their eyes are in the wrong place. Uh, let's, let's, let's adjust. One time I was playing Rockwood at Hickam many years ago before 9-11 and there's a, a, a guy playing with me. He had a son watching on the outside. There's a big glass wall in the back and we we're playing racquetball and uh, the boy over here was acting up. He must have been three or four. What do three and four year old kids do? They act up. <laughs> they can't sit still. So he's up and down the stairs. He's climbing up to the top looking at the balcony from the upside. He's going up and down and the father says, hey, hey, be still. And he sits there for a little while. And then we keep on playing. He turns around. The boy's running up and down. He says, hey, I told you to be still. And the boy sits still until the father turns around and continues playing. And then he opens the door. He says, hey, listen, son, sit still. He says, you mean when we get home, I'm going to have to calibrate your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to calibrate your attitude. And so I know what that meant. Yeah. And the boy, he got the message. Sometimes we got to calibrate what we're looking at and what we're listening to. We're listening to the wrong stuff, looking at the wrong things. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to sink. You won't lose your salvation. You can never lose your salvation, but you will begin to sink in your walk with God. You will lose ground. you begin to sink. Well, he had faith, but then he got distracted. He had a good start, but he faltered. Pretty normal for the Christian life. Let's lessen that, though, and that can happen. You get verse number 20, let's see, verse number, um, number, verse number 30. He began, uh, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. Now, when he said, Lord, save me, I want you to, I want you to know this. When he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. When he said, Lord, save me. He prayed, prayed to the right person. He prayed to the right person. He said, Lord, save me. Now, to bring it up, a modern, modern way of looking at this, people say, church, save me. Church, save me. Church, save me. I join the church, I'll be saved. Or priest, save me. Or denomination, save me. Or good works save me. Or um, honesty and everything else save me. See, when it comes to being saved spiritually, salvation, personal salvation, people call upon different things, different sources, uh, different things to save them. So the way it works out is, uh, when he said, Lord, save me, when someone says, save me, some people call upon to save them. Uh, uh, I hate to tell you this, but the church cannot save anybody, right? This church cannot save anybody. This church cannot save anybody. 
The priest cannot save anybody. The pastor cannot save anybody. A denomination, uh, your good work, and everything else, they, they cannot save. It is impossible for anyone to save you but Jesus, who is right there to save you. Nobody could save Peter. If he had called back and said, John, John, throw me out of life, Ram. John, throw me out of room. John, help John. You wouldn't have time to save him. No time at all. So friends cannot save you. It's good to have a good friend. A good friend is a real blessing in life. If you got one, that's a real blessing. You got two, you're really blessed. One for each hand, one for each trouble. Okay? Uh, but none of these can save. He prayed, Lord, save me. That's to say he prayed to the right one. Now he didn't say, he didn't say, Buddha save me. He didn't say Confucius save me. He didn't say Pope save me. He didn't say He didn't say government save me. He didn't say politician save me. He didn't say neighbor save me. Obviously, none of those things are here, but it is here. So he said, but he prayed the right prayer. He prayed to the right one. Now, he also did this. When he said, Lord, save me, he made the right request. His need was not money. Nothing wrong with money. His need was not a new home, nothing wrong with a new home. His need was not a new car. He, he didn't need an EV, electric vehicle. Didn't need a hybrid, didn't need a new van, didn't need a, he didn't, maybe needed a boat. <laughs> but he didn't any of those kind of things. His request was, I need to be saved from drowning. Isn't that funny how, when it gets right down to it, when you're totally helpless, you only have one need, survival. I've read, I've looked at so many horror stories about bears, black bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, and how they are so powerful and so, I, 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 I'm afraid of bears. Even Yogi the bear, I'm afraid of. <laughs> bears, they're powerful. And then gorillas, they've got the strength of um, eight or 10, maybe more men. One guy says he saw a grizzly bear swipe out a moose and broke its back. That's powerful, moose is a big creature. And uh, this one uh, martial arts guy says, I'm terrified of bears, and I understand why. Because you can't stop them if they're hungry or you, they think you're going to after their cub. The it's, you're hopeless. And then uh, uh, one guy was in camping in uh, Idaho. He was working for some uh, project and uh, living out in a camp, a trailer, and he's cooking breakfast one morning. Well, oh, he's got a thing going off his roof. And that aroma's getting out into all the air. And he's been there for several weeks. The door's shut. But somebody, something, and that thing came toward his trailer. The door's locked. The door's made out of aluminum and plastic. Here's a 400-pound bear. It comes up, and the, that bear didn't even knock. <laughs> Bears are smart. He parted the, the handle, began to jiggle the thing, and he just hung, just tore it out. They, they, they could tell what happened by the evidence. And this guy was cooking, and this bear came in and killed the man and ate him. They found some of his remains after the fact. He didn't show up for work. Uh, terrifying thing to happen. Can you imagine how helpless you are? The only thing that he would call for at that time was 
somebody get a shotgun, somebody take his bear because this bear is going to eat me. At that moment of total, complete helplessness, you cry for help. You say, if you didn't believe in God, you say, God help. And the atheist would cry for God to help him. Uh, he may not call to God. He might make fun of God. He might, he might put God down. He might try to... But then at that moment, he's going to call for God to help him because God is powerful. He's not. He's going to die unless God intervenes. Lord, save me. This is my problem. I need to be saved from drowning. A sinner's greatest problem is that if he's not forgiven of his sins, if he's not accepted by God who is holy, one day he will not go to heaven. But it doesn't end there. It's not just not going to heaven. It's not just being from the presence of God in eternity. Sometimes liberals say hell is the absence of God's presence. That's only part of it. The Bible does not describe just the absence of God's presence as H-E-L-L. -L. The Bible describes hell as That's the description. Those are the adjectives for what that is like. Now, no matter how someone would cut that, and no matter how people like to not believe that, and how they like to air condition hell, this is the description in the New Testament of what hell is like. It's not a pretty place. Nobody wishes anybody to go there. But a man goes there if he's unsaved, he's not been born again, and God cannot take him into his heaven. He has to keep my wife from his heaven, and that's the place he goes. Hell is made for the devil and his angels. And people go to hell as intruders of what was made for the devil. So just think about this. A man dies unsaved. A woman dies unsaved. And they end up in a place that is dark, yet it's fire. And there's a, there's a creature there that they, know, they don't want to meet in person. But it's made for the devil and his angels. And you have occupants there, inhabitants there, residents there that you don't ever want to meet in the physical life, but now you're with them in the eternal life. What an awful place to be, and you can never escape. I read about people who are unjustly confined to prison uh, for a murder they never committed, but uh, somebody accused them, and the testimony, and I don't know who the defense lawyer was, but these people, there's no DNA evidence of them being guilty of a murder, and yet they went to prison for that for 25 years. And finally, because of DNA, come to find out this guy was innocent. For 25 years, this man has been incarcerated unjustly. But because of the evidence, he's released. So for 25 years, he was in a place of confinement, but he was released after 25 years. But when a man goes here, there's no DNA that can release him. There's no evidence that can be brought forth to God to say, God, you made a mistake. God doesn't make a mistake. And people go there justly because they rejected God's son. The rejected salvation that God offered to them through his son and they said I'll do it my way I'll do the Frank Sinatra I'll do it my way and they did it their way and their way was the wrong way and so they suffer the consequences of their wrong choices and bad choices rejecting Christ and so he said Lord save me you know what you need to do you need to ask God to forgive you need to ask God to save you your biggest need is to be saved I mean, you, you might get everything you want in this world. Now, people like, I like to travel, but I like to travel to certain places only. I don't want to travel to India. Too hot. 
I don't want to go to Key West, too hot. I want to go to the place where it's cool, Texas. <laughs> That's where my daughter lives, Texas. I like to go to Michigan, it's farm country. It's very <clears throat> relaxing up there in the summertime. Wintertime, not so relaxing. Wintertime, not so pleasant. But um, you might like to travel, which is great if you can. People live on board cruise ships instead of paying rent. They get meals, they get everything they want. Great for them. You might get to do a lot of those kind of things, but if you leave this world without Christ, you don't have a whole lot to be happy about. There's nothing that can cheer you up. Once you go to that place called hell, there's no cheering you up. There's nothing to be happy about when you're there. You know what you need is? You need to be saved. You need to be saved. You may have heard about how to be saved many times, but you need to be saved. If you haven't done that, if you have not received Christ, you need to be saved. It'd be tragic if your best friend goes to heaven, but you don't. Wait, if your husband goes and you don't. If your wife goes to heaven, but you don't. That'd be tragic. If your children, your grandchildren, don't go to heaven, but you, that's tragic. Vice versa, that's also tragic. The dearest ones you love in this world, they're not saved, and you go to heaven, but they don't. That's tragic. But once you pass over that threshold into the afterlife, there's no turning back. There's no second chance. There's no example in the Bible about a man having a second chance and getting saved. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. In Luke 16, one man went to hell, and he could not get up, and his brothers up in heaven, on earth, they could not get any gospel witness uh, by a miracle of some sort from someone in, in the afterlife. He said they have the word of God, they have the scriptures, they have Moses and the prophets. He said they got the Bible. They don't believe that. I don't know what I can tell them to believe. They don't need to see signs, miracles, angel coming out from heaven like you see on YouTube, all these things coming out fabricated, you know, and all this made up stuff. They don't need to see something like that to believe. They said they need to see what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. Amen. So he said this, he prayed this um, in verse number 30. He saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. So he prayed the right prayer. He prayed to the right one, and he got the right result. Right result. He said, say, well, uh, this is me. It's very personal. Yeah. Say me. But he got the right result. All right, got the right result. Say me. And the next verse tells us, Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? 32, and when they were coming to the ship, ah, so he got rescued from drowning. When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now what you learn here is that uh, Peter, Peter, good man Peter, we look up to Peter, he's a great guy in many ways. Peter, about to sink, about to drown, said, Lord, save me. Pray to the right one. He had the right request. Save me. Save me. Save me. I need to be saved. Not, not those guys in the ship. Save me. I'm the one about to drown. I'm about to save me. Not a selfish prayer. He needed prayer. And he got the right request. Uh, he got the right, I should say, right, yeah, right answer. Right results. The Lord saved him. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you some good news? You know what the gospel is? The gospel is good news. You know why it's good news? The good news is that there's a God in heaven who loves you. Amen. There's a God in heaven who cannot tolerate sin. You're a sinner. There's a God who loves you, cannot tolerate sin, but he has sent his son 
to pay what he required for the punishment for sin. And if you but accept his son, good news, he will accept you. Let me illustrate it like this. Here's a piece of paper. I'm going to write a word or two on this paper. There's a Bible verse that says, He that has the Son has life. I have in this piece of paper a word or two written. I'll stick it in the Bible here. Okay, now here's how this works. Francis, can you come and help me? He doesn't know I'm going to do this. He never knows what I'm doing. Now, Francis, uh, I will give this to you, and it's yours as a gift to you. And if you would like to have this gift, I paid for this. It costs $75, but I'll give it to you if you ask me for it. It's a free gift to you. Does she have to pay for it? No, it's a free gift. I paid for it. That's why I can afford to give it away. Would you like to have this? Yes. Okay, here. Now look, he asked me. I give it to him. The basis for that is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he receives what I offer to him. I don't lie to him. I don't lie on Sundays. And so I give to him. I give to him what he what what, uh, what I promised to give to him. So he responded in faith to what I said. He believes I want to give it to him. So now who has it? Okay, now wait. Don't go away. Now he has this. But there's more. There's more. I wrote on a piece of paper. Can you open that Bible to find that piece of paper? Okay, now. Take that paper out. Hold it up so everyone can see. Beautifully, beautifully written. Beautifully written by left-hander here. And the words are eternal life. Now, put that back in there. Now, here's what the Bible says. He that has the Son has life. This Bible represents Jesus Christ. Amen. And in him is something called eternal life. Because he accepted God's Son, with that is what? Can you hold it up again? Okay, so he has this because he has him. Amen. He has this because he has him. One more time. He has this because he has him. Amen. Now, put it back in there. And just hold that like that. Put it up to you. Now, because he has Jesus, he has eternal life. When he prayed, Lord, save me, he got the right result. He got saved. Peter got saved from drowning. He got saved spiritually from going to hell. Amen. He's on his way to heaven because he accepted God's son, and in his son is eternal life. Can it be any clearer than that? That's what the Bible teaches. So from this day on, no matter what he has done or will do, I don't know what he's going to do from this day on. As long as Christ is in him, he has this thing called eternal life. How good is that? So he has, he has Jesus. He has eternal life. Next week, he gets on the city bus. The bus driver is at work, but he's not careful. He's been all night on a binge. He's not all there, but he's able to drive. And the bus goes down the poly highway. And this is the curve. <laughs> on board of that bus is Francis Jim. His wife gets a call. Are you Mrs. Jim? Yes. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we found this gentleman on the side of the road. We looked at his ID, and it's Francis Jim. Is this your husband? No, yes. Okay, now, where did he go? 
they found his corpse, his body, his body's on the ground, but where did he go? He went to be a Jesus, absent from the body, absent from the body, and present with the Lord. Because a week before, he received Jesus as his Savior. And with him is eternal life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot buy that with $10 billion. No matter how rich you are, you cannot get this free gift. You know how blessed you are? Yeah. By being saved, can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting here this morning, little old nobody, you, one time in your life you received Christ as your Savior, and from that moment on, you have eternal life. Now, if you don't get into a tragic accident and you just died naturally, you still go to the presence of the Lord. They have a funeral for you or something. But your soul went to be at Christ. That's the right results. Lord save me. Lord save me. If you haven't been saved. You need to be saved. If you haven't trusted in Christ. You need to do that. Don't talk about that. Don't avoid it. Don't just say I hope. This is a I know. It's a sure thing based on the scriptures. And Peter and Jesus were in the boat. Lord save me. You never get tired of someone saying that. Yeah, yeah. They may not say that verbatim, Lord save me. And you know why that's not really necessary? Come to Romans chapter 10 and we're done. Romans chapter 10. Now, in verse number 13, we are familiar with this verse, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But let's back up a few verses. Verse number 9. Verse number 9, 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now watch verse 10. For with the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now you have two things going on. Let me just clarify, and let me just point out to you what is the important part of verses 9 and 10. With the mouth you confess that you have believed. But where do you really believe? Where do you really believe? Verse number 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now here's what that's talking about. When, when a man receives Christ, it's because he has believed on Christ. Where's the believing taking place? Now, you can confess that you believe, but if your heart doesn't believe, you just said words. But if you believe in your heart, you would confess. If you believe in your heart, you would tell someone. You would express it in some way. In a feeble way, maybe. But you would, tell, you would let it be known that, hey, I, I did that. I received Christ. It's believing in the heart. Believing in the heart. One time, Hugh and I went to visit some of one, a relative of some kind in Pro City, and uh, it was in the afternoon. I remember this. We'd both gone, and the person was very ill, and uh, I believe it was she was uh, he was under hospice care, and we I tried to witness to him, and that was our intent to go and talk to him, and uh, we tried our best to talk to him, give him the gospel, and uh, something like if you'd like to receive Christ, indicate that by something, maybe uh, you know raise your hand or something like that, or look at me kind of thing. 
some indication that you understand what I'm saying. And so he did, and um, and so we, we prayed with him, and hopefully we thought we led him to Christ. And uh, as we left the house, I explained to you, Hugh, he did not confess with his mouth, because he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. Had a tube in his mouth. He couldn't talk. But he indicated in some way that he had received Christ. I said, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth. I said, is it possible for a man to believe in his heart but not confess with his mouth? Is it possible? Totally possible. Totally possible. What is important is the heart believing. And only God knows the heart. And I said, according to the Bible, from what we understand, God loves sinners. He wants them to be saved. And if a child can get saved, if a man on the thief on the cross can get saved at the very last moments of his life, why would I not think this man got saved if he sincerely, as best as he could, tried to receive Christ the best as he understood into his heart and receive him as his Savior? And if he indicated, did you receive Christ best you know how? If he did that, I'm going to say amen. amen. I'm going to say amen because God knows the heart. I don't. I'm not going to speculate and say, ah, oh, he didn't really mean that. Why would I even say that? I would say, praise God, he did receive amen. Christ. And I'm going to say, hallelujah, he got saved. Amen. Because this with the heart that man believes. Well, have you done that? Have you done? Have you believed on Christ? Have you believed on Christ? Have you trusted Him? I did. I know that. I know many of you have, but only God knows your heart. But if you have a doubt about where you go when you die, it indicates you're not sure that you are saved or you're trusting something else. When I stand before God one day, or when you do, and he said, and if Peter is there, <laughs> if Peter is there, Peter's going to say, uh, who are you? Uh, my name is Kent. Okay. And uh, what do you want? Oh, I want to be, I want to go to heaven. Of course. That's why I'm here. Well, why should I, why should I let you into God's heaven? What am I going to say? What are you going to say? Because I did this. Because I did this. Because I did this. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I accepted Christ as my savior in June, 1970. Let me check the books here. Yep, that's right. Come in. Welcome home. Come in. I hope that's you. I hope you have a day when you receive Christ because when you do, that's going to happen to you. All right, let's pray. Now, Father, this morning, I've gone long, but I think it was necessary, and I pray that everyone here knows Christ as Savior. And if there be someone unsure of their personal salvation, if someone is not sure that they'll go to heaven when they die, if someone has a doubt about eternity, if they're not totally sure that they'll go to heaven one day, Lord, they need to be saved. And while our heads are bowed, I'm plain as can be about it right now, but if you're not sure that you're saved, if eternity is not a guarantee for you, if it's a hopes, I hope so, I hope so, I hope so, I'll let God be the judge, that is not the answer that God accepts. But I'd like you to be sure of eternity. He said, Pastor, I'd like to receive Christ as my Savior and make sure about that. Before I leave church today, I want to be sure that Christ is my Savior. I think I did, but I'm not sure. I want to be sure about that. I'd like to make sure. Please pray for me about that. Would you raise your hand if that's you? If you have some doubt about that, a little bit of doubt even, make sure. Church is not just a religious game, ladies and gentlemen. This is about what the Bible says. 
and eternity is real. There's no, there's no second chance after. Make sure in your life, make sure today that Christ is yours. Father, you know the response of the people. I don't know their hearts, but you do. And I do know that you prompted me to preach this. And I pray that people who are unsure will make sure. May nothing be more important than that. May you trouble that restless heart until they find peace with Christ. We who are saved, may we totally rejoice that we know you and that we have a sure future in heaven. And we're so grateful and so glad and so humbled that you save people like us. We're totally undeserving, but by your grace, we're totally saved. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness to us. And we pray that you give us opportunity this week to give that gospel message to others, bring people our way, lead us to people, so we can help them to see their need for Christ and hopefully lead them to you. Thank you, Father, for today, uh, for your blessing us today and being with us in church. May we go home and we say that it has been good to be in the house of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.